You're listening to an adult Sunday school class at Redeemer Church, a PCA congregation in Hudson, Ohio. For more information, visit us at RedeemerOhio.org. All right, we continue on through the Westminster Shorter Catechism. And we are finishing up the Ten Commandments this morning. Ron will pass out uh, copies of the Shorter Catechism. If you don't have one, you can grab one from Ron. You can have it to take home. Or um, if you have a copy at home, you can drop it back in the box and get it next week if you so desire. Um, But we are working through this great document that's been used for hundreds of years for teaching of the faith and for encouraging the saints. And we are looking at the Tenth Commandment today. Um, One thing I did not do uh, this morning that I was reminded to do um, was to remember our our Sunday school classes to remember our church planters uh, in our presbytery. And so back there on that... um, um, Shadow box. Thank you. I can't believe the word slipped from my my mind. The shadow box uh, has our our church planters in our presbytery there. And um, our Sunday school class has been assigned them to pray for, which I just failed to do. and each of the other Sunday school classes of the children uh, have different ones of our missionaries that they are assigned to to um, uh, get updates on and to pray for. And it's a lot to put into a Sunday school hour for the kids uh, to do that every week. But they're, to, they're supposed to be getting to know them, um, their updates, and to pray for them regularly. And, uh, and so we're, we're supposed to think about church planting. And we have three church plants in our presbytery right now. One is our own in Kent with Christ Pres. And um, we, we rejoice with, with all the the Lord is doing. They just had a new, uh, they call it a welcome class, inquirers class, and they have, I think, 12 to 14 more individuals who um, are going to be interviewed for membership here in the coming weeks and months. And so that's really exciting. Um, their worship, and you know, it's not about numbers, but it is a rubric for us to kind of see where things are. They're having about 50 people on a Sunday morning for worship, um, and they've been uh, just starting Sunday worship for about a month now. So uh, it's really exciting what's going on there. And then we have other church. So that one's Redeemer, our, our daughter church. The other ones are church plants in our presbytery in Strongsville and in... Um, Mayfield Heights, um, and those are uh, wonderful, wonderful men leading those churches, and um, we can remember them and give thanks for them. And at the end, I'll, I'll try to remember uh, and pray for them as we close our time. Let's turn to the catechism, and we'll look at questions 79 to 81 this morning. And um, yeah, we'll just, we'll just start in 79, which is simply the scriptural text, and we'll begin uh, there. So question 79 of the Shorter Catechism. Which is the 10th commandment? The 10th commandment is, Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. Well, we uh, see this is the King James Version of the Bible. And um, when I was, oh, what was it? Um, I don't know, late elementary, middle school age, we were at a, uh, an OPC church plant. Uh, my family was helping plant a, a Presbyterian church. And every week we read the Ten Commandments. We recited them together as a congregation. And uh, we recited the King James Version. And so little, like, 12-year-old me chuckling every time we read through 
do not covet thy neighbor's ass. You know, it was hilarious. Um, so anyway, that was the highlight of our worship service every week um, growing up. And so um, uh, here we are. I don't know why I told that story, but here we are. Um, so the, the, if you notice, uh, if you ever are at a Roman Catholic church or even a Lutheran church and they are going through the Ten Commandments, they actually number them differently. They keep together what we have, Commandments 1 and 2. They keep those together and consider those both commandment number one. And then they break up this commandment, commandment 10, into two parts. And um, they have uh, um, commandment 9 is do not covet your neighbor's wife. And commandment 10 is do not covet your neighbor's goods is the way they kind of conceptually um, separate them out. Um, it goes all the way back to St. Augustine uh, and the way he numbered them. I Frankly, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, and I'm thankful we number them the way we do. All of this coveting is one um, is is one idea. It's one thing, and then I think commandments one and two are conceptually distinct, and so I think it's right to separate them that way. But we come to this word covet. So I, I say that if you're in another church, they might number them differently, and that's because the Roman Catholics have have done that um, for a very long time. And then the Protestant Reformation, the Protestants typically Lutherans didn't, but the rest of the Protestants um, would go with uh, with this new numbering that we still use today. So we have the word, do not covet. Um, This word covet is an interesting word because in the Hebrew, it actually has positive and negative uses. It can be a term positively that just means a desire um, to, to like something or to want something. But it has a lot of negative uses as well. It can mean an inordinate, an ungoverned, or selfish desire. Uh, Some of the other alternative glosses include desire, craving, to long for something, to find pleasure in something. And you can see how that in and of itself isn't wrong, but there's an inordinate way in which it becomes wrong. But we notice here in the 10th commandment that there's particular things that um, that are being commanded to not covet. There's an object of coveting here that's named. And the summary statement, is do not covet anything that is your neighbor's. So coveting is anything that's your neighbor's or anything that's not yours. There's a a wrong desire for things that are not yours that this commandment is calling us to abstain from. And you notice as we've gone through the commandments, um, particularly just looking at the second table, five through eight talk about actions primarily. Now, we were looking at all of them. There's, there's a, the heart level as well. But five through eight explicitly deal with actions. Honor your father and mother. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. And then number nine moves to words. So not just action, but words. Do not bear false witness. Your words matter. And then here, 10, explicitly now we get to the desire level, the heart level. level. Because I can't know if anybody is coveting. This is a hidden secret thing that's happening in each of our hearts. And so God cares about not just actions, not just words, but even our desires. I want to work through some uh, passages of scripture here that help us see um, what's going on in this text. Oh, my little clicker I didn't plug in. All right, here we go. Um, I want to work through a couple passages of Scripture to help us see how, how Scripture talks about this idea of coveting. And first, let's look at Colossians 3.5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetous, covetousness, which is idolatry. So Paul says covetousness is idolatry because you're now idolizing something else that ought not be idolized. It's a pretty heavy statement to see that our internal desires of covetousness is idolatry. We have Luke 12, uh, verses 13 through 21, the parable of the rich fool. Um, 
I think for sake of time, I'm going to skip that. Um, and uh, maybe we can come back to it later, but I'm going to skip that for now. Uh, Matthew 5, 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. So what do we hunger and thirst for? What do we desire? We desire righteousness. That's what, what the proper desire of our heart should be. Not desiring things for our own good, things for our, 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 to fill our fleshly desires. We desire righteousness. And now I'm actually rethinking myself. I'm going to go back to Luke 12. Sorry. Um, if you have your Bible, you can move, go to Luke 12. Um, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I just want to read the beginning of this. Um, Luke 12, verse 13 through 21. Again, I'm not going to read the whole thing. Um, Luke 12, verse 13, someone in the crowd said to him, Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, man, who made me a judge or arbiter over you? And he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he goes on to this parable is this guy who, who had a, a rich harvest. And uh, what he did is he went and built bigger barns. And what happened was the barns burned down. And what is he left with? Nothing. Well, it doesn't say his barns burned down, does it? He died. That's right. Thank you. He died. Uh, I should have read it. I should have relied on memory. Um, but he went and he was searching for possessions. Jesus says, be on guard against all covetousness. Why? For your life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. That's not idolatry because our covetousness often is about possessions, wanting things, wanting to store up an abundance of things for ourselves. Jesus says, that's not what your life is about. There's the, the great equalizer. Everybody, no matter what you have, is death. And the importance is, the question is, what happens after death? Your covetousness does nothing for you before God's eternal throne of judgment. So, all right, there we go. I did Luke 12. Um, Hebrews 13, uh, verse 5. Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We're called to contentment here now. And that's really what this, this commandment really is, is positively calling us to, as we'll see in a minute, um, in a minute, is contentment. Being content where you are with what the Lord's given you. And the reason that the, the author of the, the letter to the Hebrews says for this contentment we can have is because this promise of God who says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. What matters to us most? Is it what God has said? Is it that we have a now restored relationship Relationship with him, that we have God who loves us and cares for us? Or does my life, what matters more, like Jesus says, is it my possessions? Is it earthly things, worldly things? What matters ultimately to me? And we see here the 10th commandment is getting to those ultimate questions of what do I love? What drives me? Um, two more. I believe. Uh, Philippians 4, Paul writes, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And that's that verse, you know, we, is often wildly taken out of context, right? This all things through him who strengthens me in this context of I can be content in all situations because of Christ, in any situation, when I'm in prison, when I'm abounding, whatever's happening, I can be content because I have Christ. That's what matters for the Christian. 
2 Corinthians 12, 10. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardship, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Again, this, this radical Christ-centered view of my life, of a, a God-centered view of life. And this is the passage where he's talking about the thorn in the flesh. He's had this thorn. He pleaded out to God that God would take it away from him. God says, my grace is sufficient for you. And then Paul says, I'm content with anything. Whatever you bring with me, bring to me, God, I'm content because I'm secure in Christ. When I'm weak, then I'm strong because now I'm resting in the strength of Christ alone. Um, I'm sorry, one more. I was wrong. Godliness with contentment is great gain. This is Paul again. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take, we cannot take anything out of the world. So this is, again, the idea of what happens at death. If you are coveting things here now, you have a much too small view of your life and the world and eternity. We cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Coveting things, desiring worldly things that are not yours, leads you into ruin and destruction. Okay, there's a lot there, and we'll be unpacking these as we get to the rest of the, the catechism, but I'll stop there for, for comments and, and um, questions. Yes? I was just thinking, Jason, that this commandment in particular really seems to point back to the first commandment. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's right. That's right. Right. That's right. Yes. Very well said. That's right. To break the 10th commandment, you have to first break the first commandment. I think that's exactly right, that we do not honor God, we do not love God, and because of that, then we're breaking the 10th commandment. And that's why, why Paul says um, covetousness is idolatry, because we're not, I, we're not worshiping God, we're worshiping something else then. So very, very well said. Very good. Jonathan? Yeah, that's very good. A great observation. I'm, I'm sure there's a level of intentionality there. I haven't thought through it, but that's a really great point to bring out. Of that, Rob? That's right. That's right. Yeah, right. So, um, am I not, you know, is saving a bad thing, right? Uh, is that the lesson we should draw from Luke 12? No, I don't think so. Because of the preface that Jesus, Jesus gives to it, um, again, he says, life does not consist, um, where is it, in the abundance of his possessions. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So, Jesus' point here is that for this man, building bigger barns was a, was a revelation of his heart being in the wrong place. Um, and that's where covetousness is, is really hard because we don't know if somebody's being covetousness, covetous or not. I don't know your heart. You can do the same thing, an action can be taken to, for example, build a bigger barn. Some can do that in, in faith and trusting the Lord to provide, or somebody can do that in the spirit of covetousness. I don't know. 
There's no way that I can know that unless you tell me. There's no way any of us can know that. We, that's why this is so important for us to look at our own hearts um, because we, we don't know. So no, the, the answer is yes, it's, it's right to save and to plan for the future. But at what point does that planning for the future lead to betray a distrusting God to provide for you? Um, you always fundamentally, we're trusting in God, not in my ability to save, not in my ability to work. None of that. We trust God. And we, yeah, there's wisdom in, in walking through life for sure. Yeah. I would say that's about balance, but I mean, you can build all you want to and the stock market crashes the next day. And, I mean, as long as you know, <laughs> that's not where you're putting your faith. That's right. Exactly. But I, so where I'm seeing a little bit of gray is um, do not cover somebody else's right. stuff. Right. That's right. But you can have desires for stuff. Yes. And have to sort through. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe I want a new car, not my neighbor's car, but my right, car. Right, right. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes, good. We're going to circle back to that. That's really good. Let's let's come back to that um, in a moment. That's, what's that? I won't. I won't. Remind me, remind me, if we're getting close to the end, say you did not circle back. Um, the violation of the ninth commandment. Um, all right, let, let's go to question 80, and uh, we'll hit some of these things. Uh, question 80, what is required in the 10th commandment? So, as we've seen throughout, the, these commandments aren't merely prohibiting, it's actually positively calling us to do something. So, what here is positively commanded? What's required here? The 10th commandment requires full contentment with our own condition, with a right and charitable frame of spirit toward our neighbor and all that is his. So first here, it talks about our own condition. So the, the 10th commandment is not merely concerned with coveting what belongs to other people. It's, it's you know, if there's something at the store, I mean, technically that belongs to somebody else, coveting that. Um, but it's not merely wanting to take from somebody else. This is anything that's not yours that you're wanting. And so we see this reflected here, full contentment with our own condition. And so we are called to be a content people, content with our own situation where God has called us to. And this begins, as, as was said, it begins with understanding who God is and what he has does, what, what he does, and that what he does is good for me. Discontentment, and here are my notes, discontentment begins with a violation of commandment one. As was so well said a few minutes ago, I didn't need to say it. Because now we have something else we're worshiping instead of God. Psalm 84, 11. I love this. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. No good thing does he withhold. Everything good you need, you have right now. That's where contentment begins. Trusting God in that. Every moment, every day, what I have right now is exactly what God wants me to have. And I am content with that. I need nothing else to be content. I have him. I have this moment in time from him. Um, so that's, I think, where it has to begin, looking at God um, so that we can be content. And so this cultivated contentment is a joyful thing. Like, who doesn't want to be content? We'll get to discontentment in a little bit. Who wants to be discontent? Really, is your life so much better for being discontent? Cultivate contentment. It's so much more joyful, so much more enjoyable. There's nothing better in life than being content with whatever you have. 
The second part of this one is a right and charitable frame of spirit toward our neighbor and all that is his. So first was contentment here, but now it's also a, a right and charitable frame of spirit toward our neighbor. So our neighbor and what he has is, now I have to relate to that rightly because other people are not to be used and abused. Others are not objects of lust and desire. We are instead to desire their good. We have a right frame of spirit towards others, to care for them and to take care of their possessions when we're able to. We are to desire their good. We're not to desire ill for them. And God has, as we saw um, with uh, the, the eighth commandment, um, God has the prerogative to give us different gifts in this life. Some he gives more abundance of, of, uh, of financial resources. Others he gives abundance of, of uh, talents of various kinds. Some he gives abundance of family resources. Some he gives abundance of other things. We all have different mixes of God's blessings and gifts, and God is allowed to do that. I think of the parable where um, these, uh, the man hires these different workers throughout the day, he hires them at the beginning of the day, middle of the day and then hire some guys right at the end of the day. And at the end of the day, he pays them all the same. Even though one guy worked all day, another guy worked an hour, and the guy who worked an hour is like, what? That's not f-. Or the guy who, who worked in the morning is like, that's not fair. And God's like, no, I'm giving you what is due to you. This is absolutely fair. I can do what I want with my riches. And so God does that. He gives us different amounts of his riches in different ways. And we are to be content with that and be content with what others have. And again, this all goes back to who God is. Am I questioning God? Am I questioning his wisdom and his goodness? Right. That's right. Right. That's right. Uh, so I think it, you know, that's, could be a good test of your own. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Jim? On that same point, you're really starting to speak to or all the commandments about on where do you place your identity? Mm-hmm. And if my mm-hmm. identity is now here in what I have or right. what I want and so on, right. I'm the Lord, it's completely mm-hmm. put myself first, not the Lord, which gets yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, very good, very good. It also causes us to sin in other ways. That's right, that's right. That's right. We are adulterers. Exactly, <coughs> exactly right. This is, this is the seed, sin, that leads, that gives, that gives, you know, when we allow it to fully uh, sprout and grow, leads to other external sins as well. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Uh, what are some ways in which we can cultivate Mm-hmm. Yeah, ways of cultivating contentment in our lives. A great question. I think ultimately it comes down to gazing at the glory and beauty of God and Christ. Um, it comes back to who is he and looking at who he is, who I am, and looking what I have, the riches I have in Christ. So I really think it, it, it's, it's 
attending to the means of grace. It's sitting under God's word and, and being filled by what he says about me, not what the world says about me. Um, now, we want to take really practical steps. Maybe that means we really need to cut off our televisions because our televisions are creators of discontentment. That's what marketers are trying to do. That is their goal to make you feel discontent so that you go buy something. It's to maybe stop watching HGTV because you see all these huge, wonderful, beautiful homes and you say, I can't ever have that. And you leads to despair. Truly, right? Don't watch it. If that's doing it, don't watch it. It's not good for your soul. So there's many practical things. How is this, you know, where, where are these, these opportunities that I see my heart driving this direction? So cut those off. But ultimately it's who is God and enjoying the riches of the grace of Christ. And yeah, Nate? Could you parse out the Yeah, well, you, why don't you, why don't you uh, do that for us? Well, like, I mean, satisfaction is about this, this fulfilling of desires that, that, you, that you have mm-hmm. and um, the pleasure that you derive from. I think it's so easy to confuse that with contentment, which is peace in the midst of whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, right. I get those confused all the time. Yeah, and maybe, I guess, I think it, it, it may be helpful to think of it that way. Um, I guess I've never thought of them as completely distinct ideas, but it may be helpful to, because I think, I, the way I think of it is, my, um, my, my contentment is grounded ultimately in Christ and who I am in Christ. My satisfaction is grounded ultimately in who I am in Christ. I think they're grounded in the same thing. Maybe there are different definitions, but I think we have to come back ultimately, I'm content and I'm satisfied, when I rest in Christ. That's ultimately the place, despite what's happening in the world around me, despite what's going on. And so maybe one, you're thinking of more of an external frame and one's more of an internal frame. I, I don't know exactly. But, um, but I guess I would say, ultimately, Christ is what gives us contentment and satisfaction. What do you, what do you think? Yeah. <laughs> I look at it sort of like pursuit of sanctification. I never right, 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 right. Yeah, right. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. So, great. I see exactly what you're saying. Let's pause on that. I'm going to pause on other questions. We're circling around the same ideas, but let's go to the next question, and I think maybe we can hit that a little bit more directly. No, that's a good point. Um, So let's go to question 81. What is forbidden in the 10th commandment? So positive call to contentment. Here, what do we not do? The 10th commandment forbiddeth all discontentment with our own estate. So again, we've been saying this. Envying or grieving at the good of our neighbor and all inordinate motions and affections to anything that is his. So we come to uh, first the idea of discontentment. Uh, What is at the heart of discontentment? What is the root of it? Um, Because we've all had these times of ultimate um, discontentment, and it's a terrible master. It feels terrible. It leads to terrible places. It is supremely destructive when you're discontent. You will destroy anything in your way to get what you're ultimately desiring. So, and and maybe this is the question Nate's getting at, and the question that was asked earlier. I forget who. the question was asked earlier, is it okay to want your situation to be different than what the Lord has put you in? Is it okay for you to desire something different than where you are here and now? And so maybe we're, we're maybe parsing some of these things that, that Nate was talking about. Is that okay? Gretchen. Um, I may be wrong, but um, I tend to think that 
line, right? If I'm sinning to get something, then it's not okay. Yep. If it's just something that I hope for, I dream for, I pray for, yeah. mm-hmm. ask for, mm-hmm. and I'm not sinning, then I think it's okay. Right, right. Yeah, I, that's good. Very good. I think that's a great, great place to start. Yeah, Jim? Mm-hmm. Right this minute. Mm-hmm. And from what rich man, for instance, he was thinking we could still go on living. Right. So if you become focused on this is the gift I have at this particular moment, nothing else matters. Because we're all going to die. Right. Right. There. Yeah. Yeah. So that way I'm content because That's right. this is the gift right. I have right now. That's right. And everybody else has that same gift. So is it possible, to Nate's question, to be content, to be truly, like, ultimately content with where I am, but also to say, I don't want it to stay like this. I want to, Nate's point, I want to grow in sanctification. Is that okay? Sandra. Yes. Yes. Very good. Contentment does not mean complacency. Gretchen? Caveat. Caveat. All right. Yeah, that's right. right. That's right. Because I might not sin to get it, but if I'm, if, you know, constantly thinking about it more than, you know, the things of the Lord or the things that are more important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, very good. So here, here's maybe my attempt to answer this. So one, is it is it possible to be content but still desire your situation to change? I'm going to say absolutely yes because Christ experienced that. As soon as he was about to go to the cross, he said, Father, would you take this cup from me? But what? Not my will, but yours be done. Right? So he, this was a, something out, external circumstance. He knew he was about to go to death. And he said, I do not want to go to death on one level, but on the deeper level, I want to glorify you. I want your will, not my will. And so there, we see Christ even wanting that. And so for us in our daily lives, okay, think about, um, you know, you're just out of college, you begin working and you say, I don't want to be making this amount of money for the rest of my career. That's okay, right? That's okay to say, hey, I hope to grow in my career. I hope to grow in work. I hope to grow and be able to make more money over time. That's okay. But this is where covetousness is very difficult because I don't know your heart and it could be entirely covetousness of you to desire to make more money. It may not be. I don't know. I can't know that. But only you can know what is driving me. Is it simply a, a, a desire to have other things for the benefit of blessing others, blessing my family, having something slightly more comfortable in life? That's okay. But if I'm doing that because I think that's what ultimately matters, that's a problem. And I do think you know, Nate's example of sanctification is incredibly important here because I don't think we should ever be content in our own sanctification. We can never be content and complacent in our own growth and holiness. We're always going to see our failures. We're always going to see, you know, as we're looking at this, any tug towards wanting something else that's not mine, any like fleeting tug in my heart, that's covetousness, right? That's sin. And I am not content with that in my life. I do want to root that out. But ultimately, I can only root it out by being satisfied in Christ. By, and I'm, I'm using these words now interchangeably in backwards ways. Um, so from, from how Nate was, was describing them earlier, um, 
So if you're using them like that, make sure you're clear. I'm not being clear on, on the way I'm using them. But ultimately, I have to be content in Christ and satisfied in him. And that should drive me to whatever else I'm doing. That's right. That's right. Very good. That's right. That's right. That's right. We, we always pray um, an offering up of our desires to the Lord for things agreeable to his will. Shorter catechism is the definition of prayer, right? We do have desires that we bring to the Lord, but they're always subservient to his will for things agreeable to his will. That's what we ultimately want. And we're content. This is how you know if you're content is if y'all have been hitting at this earlier. If things never change, can I still trust the Lord? Or is my hope in my circumstances changing? Yeah. I think you said this right at the beginning. It's a matter of perspective. Death is the leveler of everything. Yeah. I mean, nothing is going to go with you. Um, and the other thing is, what do I deserve? Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. Nothing. Anything I have is a gift from him. Amen. So if, if that perspective remains everything, yeah. that's Exactly, exactly. And this so radically gets to these ultimate questions of who am I? What do I love? Why do I love these things? Who is God? What is he to me? Am I, am I my own God, right? All these ultimate questions get to this, thou shalt not covet, um, how it implicates so much of who God is um, and, our, and uh, who we are as his people. Um. All right, any other comments there? I, I don't know. Nate, any follow-up comments? Okay. At your service. Are you satisfied, right? 100% satisfied. Well, I just wanted to add a little bit further um, And because I love, you know, when Paul, I think this is what Paul is saying when he says, not that I have already obtained Right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yes. My, but I'm being sanctified, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has had me his own. That's right. So there's this, we all know that we, you know, once saved, we still Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. So, but we're not to be discouraged. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. but we strive. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. And we have to be careful too, is my identity now in my own sanctification, right? Am I now going to prove myself to be better than others because I'm more sanctified than them, right? It now becomes flipped on its head. And now we're using that as a means of self-righteousness. And so it's, our hearts are so pernicious and so evil. And we must be careful where, what is driving me? What do I care about ultimately? That's right. That's right. Amen. Amen. That's a great reorienting thought to meditate on. So good. Yeah. I'm reminded of verse in Romans that says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. And how it applies here. Very good. Neighbor gets a promotion. Don't grumble. Right. Right. Yeah, that's right. And, and the guy, you know, you're competing with for the promotion. He gets it. Yeah. You rejoice with him. No envying at his, uh, at his now estate, what the Lord's given him. Don't envy that. Um, that's, that's so good. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Yeah, Teresa. 
Right, right. So how are we wise? How do we uh, operate in wisdom without one saying, well, God's going to provide or two saying, well, it's fully on me to do everything, right? They're, they're like, Because sometimes we'll fall off on either side of the bandwagon. Someone will just say, oh, you know, the, let go, let God. I'm not going to do anything. Complacency. Um, or the other side is, well, I've, I've got the world on my shoulders. It's up to me to do everything. Um, and ultimately, I think both of those, neither of them ultimately are trusting God. It's, it's ultimately we have to come down to the heart level here. And again, if you watch HGTV, I have no idea if you're coveting or not. I can't say it's wrong to watch HGTV, but if it's wrong for, if it's, if it's creating um, sin in you, right? If you're tempted by that, don't watch it. In the same way, like for some people, they can, they're not worried in the same way. Maybe I'm worried and maybe they can be a little bit less um, uh, engaged. They can be more detached than I am. And they're not, they're not being lazy or unwise. For me, I'm a little bit different personality. So I think some of our personality is going to show up in this, um, but ultimately, we have to cultivate wisdom. And cultivate wisdom is with other people, talking with other people. Um, it's looking at God's word, saying, what's required of me right now? Um, but ultimately, wisdom is always on the foundation of um, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Start with him and who he is and what he's doing. And his promise, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We have to start there. And that is what propels us to know what is godly or not. Um, I'm probably not answering your question, but there's my, my ramble off the top of my head, Rob. <laughs> I answered yours. Oh, good. Thank you for that uh, feedback. I appreciate that. Um, have you all, so there's another angle here. It talks about envying or grieving at the good of another. So it's, there's a couple things. Um, envying. Um, so when somebody else gets a promotion, think, oh, I want that. Like there's, there's that envy, that covetousness. There's also grieving at the good of our neighbor, just, just being downtrodden because somebody else uh, does well. But here's something that the confession, the catechism doesn't say, but I think it's conclu- included here. Uh, included here. This term I've heard a lot more in the last five years. Um, schadenfreude. Have you all heard this? Schadenfreude. This is, I think it's a Greek, um, a Greek term where there's, uh, sh- what, what's the, what, what are the two words? Uh, sh- any Greek, friend, Greek scholars here? Right, so there's like a, a something that's too bad, something that that uh, your your something bad has happened, but the Freuda is joy. So it's like bad joy is kind of what this put together. What it is, what it means for us, when somebody else is harmed, you get joy in that. And this happens in our political world all the time. This happens in our, on social media all the time. Somebody's excited that somebody else gets dissed. Somebody else is hurt. Somebody gets kicked down. And it's causing joy in you. So I think they could add this to the confession, is, or joy at the sorrows of another. That's a violation of the 10th commandment as well. All these um, inordinate motions and affections um, to anything that is our neighbor's. Um, <coughs> And again, this is that, that fleeting motion. I, I don't know if, if this happens to you. I get the, the emails for a Costco, right? And uh, I don't read them anymore because when I looked at it, I'm like, oh, I want that. <laughs> and like, it's not bad, again, to want it. But I know what's happening in my heart is I'm that moment more discontent having looked at that email than I was before. I want these things. I want that. And that little fleeting flicker, and you say, no, that's ridiculous, that's dumb. That still, in and of itself, was sin. That is coveting. In the same way, that fleeting little moment 
of lust is sin. A fleeting little moment of anger is sin, right? It gets down to what we desire. And this temptation is for all of us. And this actually, this temptation is, these internal temptations are sin. This coveting is sin. And so the goal here is to remember God's goodness, to look at him, what he's done. And I love this prayer. I want to, I'll, I'll, um, we'll conclude here with Proverbs 30. Um, hey, we still have a minute or two. Proverbs 30, verses seven through nine. And I love this because it's, it recognizes our weakness as, it, as, as um, the writer prays to God. Two things I ask of you. Deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. And here's the main part. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Ultimately, right, we should be poor and content. We should be rich and content in Christ. But he understands his weakness and his frailty. And he says, I don't want to be poor. I don't want to be rich. Because I know in either of these circumstances, there are particular um, external temptations that will lead me to covetousness. I want, I don't want to deny you. I don't want to steal. And so this is a great uh, prayer for all of us. I think that the Lord would give us what we need that we could trust him that we can be content in him. Any final, any final comments before we... Yes? Isn't it really saying that we want to be in control and that what it really is, is that God's in control? That's right. That's right. That's exactly right. That's right. God is in control. Trust him. That is exactly right. And we, he's not a mean, vindictive God. He's a good God. And he loves to give good gifts to his people. Erica? That's right. That's right. That has really helped foster our heart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, very good. Very good. Well, yeah, Melissa. That's right. That's right. Exactly. And no, the goodness of God, he gives you everything you need right here, right now. Well, let's, uh, let's close on that note and close uh, with thanksgiving. Lord, we do thank you that we have everything we need in Christ. That you have provided um, in your great fatherly care all that we need here and now in this life. And we pray that you would root out all discontentment, all covetousness from us. May instead we be reoriented to worshiping you and trusting in you. And we do remind, remember our, uh, our church plants this morning of our, the Ohio Presbytery. We pray uh, for Christ Pres. We pray for Story Church. We pray for Resurrection Presbyterian Church. We pray that you would bless these congregations, even as they worship here, or as they worship in this hour, as we do as well. Bless them and build them and grow them in Christ. Christ, and we pray that many would know Christ through the ministry of these churches. We give you thanks and praise, and we come into your, uh, in your presence with thanksgiving, into your courts with praise now in this hour. And so we pray that you would be pleased to build up your people and to call sinners to faith in Christ. 
In his name we pray, amen. Go in peace. Thank you for listening. For more information or to connect with us, visit us at RedeemerOhio.com.